0: Welcome into the Beyond the Game program. I'm Rick Benson. Very glad to have you along. BTGprogram.com or at BTG Program. Over the next half hour or so, we'll talk sports from a faith-based point of view. Coming up later in the program, we'll talk about the reaction folks inside Major League Baseball are having to the Houston Astros cheating scandal after several prominent Astro players issued apologies of sorts, I guess, this week people are generally unhappy with the Astros. But we'll talk about that later on. First, let's start this week with our shenanigans segment. So here is Zach Barletta to take us through this week's topics.
1: All right, thanks, Ben. number one, the revamped scoring system in the NBA All-Star Game seemed to generate some intensity in the final quarter of the game, but was still not enough to make the game appealing overall.
0: You know, I I say shenanigans because I think it was. I, I think the first three quarters featured... Many of the same issues people have complained about in previous All-Star games, but the fourth quarter was exciting. Granted, it was only exciting because both teams were in a position to win with just one basket. I don't know if maybe one team had been well out in front if that would have been the same case. But it was exciting Sunday night, and the players were getting after it, the fans were into it, and even the refs took it more serious in the fourth quarter. I think they called more fouls in the fourth than they had in the previous three quarters combined. But I think the NBA did a good job on giving this game back to its fans as opposed to simply being an offensive exhibition.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm going to say true. It's not enough to make the game appealing overall. You know me, for for one thing, I have trouble watching basketball just in general because there's too many points scored for me. As a baseball guy and a hockey guy, I like to see teams really work hard to score, and the scores really mean something. So watching basketball, is it's hard for me to stay interested. But then on top of that, when you're adding extra points depending on who's winning, that's just too much for me to keep track of. So I, I'm, I'm out on the NBA All-Star game. Number two, Benson, you and I spent some time this past weekend with Hall of Fame Buffalo Bills coach Marv Levy. As you look back, even though they didn't win, those dynasty Bills don't get enough respect for their run to four straight Super Bowl appearances. You know,
0: I agree with that. I've even heard people mock the Bills for Mm -hmm. losing four in a row. And Bills fans themselves seem to sometimes only see that run as missed opportunities. But there are teams who have never been to a Super Bowl. Four in a row is astonishing. Winning is everything in pro sports, and close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades. I get that. But even so, those Bills teams accomplish something no other team has. Uh, Let me tell you, I was honored to spend a few minutes talking football with the man who led those teams. And man, at 95 years old, that guy is amazing still. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it was wild to talk to him. You know, it's funny because you hear so many people when you talk about the Bills, it's jokes about losing four straight Super Bowls. But at the same time, going to four straight Super Bowls, maintaining a dynasty for that long, being as as talented on both sides of the ball as they were, is something you really don't see very often. Right. And, you know, even this Patriots dynasty that's billed us the greatest ever with the greatest coach quarterback combination, even they haven't been to four in a row. Right. You know, it's something that I don't think we'll ever see done again. I think it's as close to as unbreakable of a record as we'll see. So. Yeah, I get it. You know, the punchlines are there to be made, but that team was one of the greatest ever assembled. Number three, after thousands of fans arrive late to the NHL Stadium Series game hosted at the U.S. Air Force Academy in Colorado, it's clear that not just the NHL, but all sports leagues are trying too many gimmicks and attempts to appeal to non-fans and should just focus more on the game itself and the loyal fans who already follow it. What do you think, Zach? I think that's true. I mean, we just talked about the NBA All-Star game. But too many sports, I think, are trying different things. Maybe going a little bit too outside the box. You look at all the things that Major League Baseball is proposing to change, which makes you wonder if the commissioner of baseball even enjoys the sport that he (laughs) governs. Um, But I think, you know, too often I think the leagues are just bad at marketing. Baseball is terrible at marketing. If they were better at marketing, they wouldn't need the gimmicks and they would just be able to engage fans based on how interesting and exciting their players are as opposed to trying to find things to tweak and to change. So I agree.
0: I agree as well. Obviously, every business needs new customers and sports needs new fans. But some of the things they do, I think, detract from the games themselves. Now, in this instance, with the NHL and the Stadium Series game there in Colorado, I read that accidents were an issue, some fans not being able to get to the game until even the third period. Maybe the venue wasn't well thought through. I I really don't know. And you mentioned baseball. Baseball certainly no exception. You know, instead of all these gimmicks, you know what fans really want? Fans want more. Mm -hmm. Give them interaction with the players. It is stupid in baseball, in my opinion, that when you go to the game, the home team is done with batting practice before they even let players in Mm -hmm. or before they let fans into the gate. So you're seeing the visiting team. Give fans an opportunity to interact with those players. Give them autograph opportunities. Give them, you know, let young kids in free. I don't know, under seven, under eight, under six. What? Give them free admission, and maybe some do now. Let the, Play the games at times these young people can see. Give the fans more without giving them different. Give them the game. Give them the players. Give them the things that they really want.
1: You know, something that just occurred to me as I was looking back through this question is, your question is, is is about people arriving late to a game in Colorado. It's Colorado. How many slow, super relaxed drivers do we have under the influence holding up traffic? <laughs> that may be the whole resolution to the problem right there. It might be.
0: That'll do it for shenanigans still to come. A look at the Houston Astros and the reactions to comments made this week by some of their players. We hope you'll stick around. I'm Benson. He's Barletta. This is the Beyond the Game program. The Red Hawks recap is brought to you by Roberts Wesleyan College. Looking back on the last week in Roberts Wesleyan Athletics up through Tuesday, February 18th, the Roberts Wesleyan women's basketball team was victorious over Mercy College Friday night, 71-39. Fresh off her last game where she joined the 1,000-point career club, Sarah Nady led the Red Hawks with 20 points, Tashayla Satorius scored a career-high 19 points, and Emily Miller joined the trio of double-digit scores with 10. The men also defeated Mercy 78-75, snapping a nine-game losing streak. Reggie Clark, the ECC's fifth-leading scorer, finished with 27 points while Armand Nassiri added 20, Amari Lee 16, and Shane Fanning 13 for the Red Hawks. The women swept the weekend with a Sunday win over St. Thomas Aquinas College 75-67. Taryn Wilson led the Red Hawks with 18 points while Miller added 15 and both Nadie and Satorius scored 14 points each. The men weren't as fortunate, though, against the Spartans, getting tripped up 85-71. Clark once again pacing Roberts with 22 points, his ninth 20-plus point game of the season. Banning added 19 points, Nasiri 14, and Lee scored 10. In men's lacrosse, the Red Hawks took on the number two team in the country, LeMoyne College, last Saturday, falling 18-6 in the season opener. Gavin March led the scoring effort for Roberts with three goals. The women's lacrosse team also took on a nationally ranked team, hosting Pace University on Monday afternoon in the team's season opener. Pace entered the game, ranked 18th in the nation, but fell to the Red Hawks 16-14. Jamie Walker was the leading scorer for Roberts with six goals, while Taylor Nathan found the back of the net four times, and Emily Tomei added three goals. Coming up, the next chance to catch the Red Hawks at home is Sunday, February 23rd, as the men's and women's basketball teams host the University of the District of Columbia, Women tip off at 2, followed by the men at 4. It's a lacrosse doubleheader on Saturday, February 29th as Red Hawks host Alderson Broadus University. The women's match is scheduled for 11 a.m. and will be followed by the men at 2 p.m. Go on out, support the Red Hawks. They are, after all, the only Division II college athletics program in Rochester. And stay up to date with the Roberts Wesleyan Athletics action at their website, robertsredhawks.com. You can also follow Roberts Wesleyan Athletics on Twitter at RWC Redhawks. This has been the Red Hawks recap presented by Roberts Wesleyan College.
2: Do you know a high school athlete looking for a D2 college? Hi, I'm Dr. Dina Porterfield, president of Roberts Wesleyan College. We're proud to be a serious athletic school with great opportunities for serious athletes. In fact, we have the only Division II athletic program in the area. Our many varsity programs range from basketball, tennis, and cross country to track and field, golf, volleyball, and soccer. Tell the young athlete in your life about Roberts. Visit roberts.edu. Learn more at stjude.org.
0: Along with Zach Barletta, I'm Rick Benson. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Beyond the Game program. We're recording from the BTG studio in Rochester, New York, but the program's heard all around the world via podcast. In addition to places like the Netherlands, Ireland, England, Vietnam, and other international locations, we'd like to say hello to Boulder, Colorado, another of the many places to download last week's program. Boulder is the birthplace of NFL alums, such as former Indianapolis Colts head coach Chuck Pagano, currently the defensive coordinator for the Chicago Bears, I think. Former quarterback and current ESPN analyst Matt Hasselbeck, also born in Boulder went to three Pro Bowls as a member of the Seattle Seahawks, the lovely actress Kristen Davis, also born in Boulder. Thanks for listening in Boulder, in Vietnam, in Ireland, wherever it is you're listening from, we appreciate you spending time with us as well.
1: The two very different places.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Very different places. We're running
1: the gamut with listenership.
0: For what it's worth, several members of the Houston Astros came forward issuing apologies of sorts, which has not necessarily resonated with fans and players throughout the rest of the league. Alex Bregman spoke for a whole 37 seconds. Jose <laughs> Altuve for 35.
2: The whole Astros organization and the team uh, feels bad about what happened in, in 2017. <clears throat> we especially feel remorse for the impact in our fans and the gain of baseball.
1: I'm really sorry about the choices. That were made by my team, by the organization, and by me.
0: Well, there you have it. A few other things said as well, but there's the meat of the apology. If Not you a lot of call.
1: meat there, to be honest.
0: Technically, I guess they apologized. I suppose Bregman comes the closest to sounding remorseful. There was, we feel bad for the impact. There was, I feel bad. But no real admission of cheating, no specifics. One could suggest what they feel bad about is getting caught, not the actual acts of cheating. Owner Jim Crane, he was further evidence of such a suggestion when he was somewhat defiant. You know, our opinion is, uh, you know, that this didn't impact the game. Um, We had a good team. Um, We won the World Series and we'll leave it at that. That's just laughable. Obviously, L.A. Dodgers' Cody Bellinger, he had some thoughts on that, and he said this.
1: Yeah, that's just wild, and I don't know
0: if he meant to say that or not, but that's obviously not true Um, because knowing what pitch is coming greatly impacts the game, obviously. He uses the word obviously. Yeah. You know, you and I, I've never stepped in. I don't know. Even if I knew what pitch was coming, I'm not going to be able to hit it. But these right. guys are professionals. And he's saying, as many other high-profile players are saying, it definitely makes a difference. Belliger also took exception to the apologies as a whole. He had a great number of things to say, as did many other players whose comments we can't play on the air because of the (laughs) volatility of them. But here is Bellinger speaking about getting cheated. You know, I thought the apologies were whatever. Uh, I thought Jim Cranes was weak. Um, I thought Manfred's punishment was weak, giving him immunity. Um, I mean, these guys were cheating for three years. Um, You know, I think what people don't realize is, Altuve stole an MVP from Judge in 17. Um, everyone knows they stole the ring from us. Clearly fans and players across the league are dissatisfied with their response. Now, as a Yankees fan, I would take exception to Bellinger saying that they stole the ring from the Dodgers. Because I think the Dodger, the Yankees excuse me, can stake a claim to that as well. Mm-hmm. They were denied in the ALCS. And perhaps had that not occurred, they would have met the Dodgers. They would have beaten the Dodgers who knows what would have happened, right? Mm -hmm. That's why I think the whole idea of stripping the Astros of a title is difficult. Certainly awarding it to somebody else is difficult. I know it's been done in other sports and in other situations, but while you can deny them the right to fly the flag or on paper say that they still haven't won a World Series title, everybody remembers it. The Mm -hmm. players celebrated. The city and the fans had its victory parade. Yeah, But, Zach, you know, Manchester United ruled ineligible for a Premier League championship for the next two years because of some inappropriate financial workings in their front office. Why can't baseball do that? Rule that as a result of cheating, that even though they can still claim the 2017 title, the Houston Astros are disqualified from the postseason for the next two seasons, as is any player who appeared on that 2017 roster, obviously the organization takes a hit because attendance is going to go down and mm-hmm. players take a hit because even if they're eligible for free agency, you know, new teams will know that they're not going to be able to use this guy in the postseason. Yeah, it's a punishment. It's not looking the other way, as it seems Manfred has done so far.
1: Yeah, that's the type of punishment that effectively motivates people not to do this anymore. You know, the, the this slap on the wrist. These players, other than being publicly embarrassed, haven't suffered at all from their actions. You know, so Their manager and their general manager might not work in the game again, but the guys that actually had the signs and did the cheating, they still get to play. They're still in spring training right now doing these interviews. I think if you do something as drastic as what you're talking about that really affects the players' ability to get into the playoffs and win rings, but also their ability to get their next contract, I think that really that would really disincentivize cheating.
0: Yeah, the fine that they've received, I, as I've said before, you might as well just consider that the cost of doing business. That was the cost mm-hmm. of winning a title. The revenues that come in from winning a title exceed what that fine is. So, yeah. so what? Why? Just that's the cost of doing business. And now Astros manager, new Astros manager, Dusty Baker, wants Manfred to protect his players from any retaliation. Baseball has always had a reputation for policing itself, and I would expect that that's going to continue to happen. I think baseball does have to protect the Astros to some extent, perhaps issue a statement. I don't know what they can do more than that and say uh, any pitch unnecessarily close to the head will be assumed to have some added intentionality, Mm -hmm. added purpose. So. We're aware that you might come out. So we we know if you're going to throw up around the head, we know that this is intentional. But apart from that, what else can they do?
1: Yeah, you can't you can't add extra rules onto the existing rules. You know, if you hit somebody on purpose as a starting pitcher, you get what a 5-game suspension so that you miss a start. Like you can't add on to that because any other pitcher who does the exact same action is only getting the 5 games you can't give the Astros extra protection just because they got caught cheating. You know, look, I'm on the record on this show as being anti throwing at people. I think it's outdated and I think it's dangerous. And if you did it off the field, you would go to jail. But I think in this situation, if you're going to have frontier justice and have somebody throwing at Astros players, you can't give the Astros extra protection just because of their situation. They have to lie in the bed that they made.
0: What the Astros want is for this to go away, their relationship, their fellowship with the rest of the league to be restored back to normal. But without remorse and regret, which I I don't think they've shown, that's just my opinion, that's not going to happen. And not remorse for getting caught or for the predicament which they now find themselves in, but remorse for having cheated, for having broken the rules. This is what David wanted in Psalm 51. His friend Nathan confronted him about, his sins surrounding his affair with Bathsheba, and David was convicted. He knew he was wrong. He wanted his relationship with God restored to a right place. And to get that, it started with remorse and regret. Psalm 51, verse 2 and 3 says, Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgression and my sin is ever before me. But that alone isn't enough. There, There needs to be repentance. To my knowledge, there has been A lot of, we recognize the impact, we feel bad among the Astros players, Mm -hmm. but isn't part of the problem a lack of response? Jim Crane doesn't sound repentant when he says, well, we had a good team, we won the World Series, so let's leave it at that.
1: Yeah. Those apology videos look like if you've ever seen a horror movie where somebody gets abducted by a serial killer and put in front of a camera and forced to read a statement. That's what those Astros videos were like. (laughs) Those guys clearly didn't want to be there or mean what they said.
0: Yeah, David, he sought God with humility. We didn't see that with Jim Crane. David knew that God would respond to a humble heart. In verse 17, he says, a broken and contrite heart. Oh, God, you will not despise saying I'm sorry is not enough when we've hurt somebody else. Our apology ought to include things such as what it is we're sorry for, how that we recognize it was wrong and hurtful, and that we will take measures to change so it doesn't happen again. It's taking responsibility for our behavior. In verse 3 of Psalm 51, David says, I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. And we need to seek forgiveness. We need to actually say, hey, will you forgive me? David pleaded with God that he would forgive him and restore him. Listen to verses 7 through 11. It says, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness. Let the bones which you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out all my iniquities, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence. Perhaps there is someone to whom you owe more than just a I'm sorry. Like David, maybe that somebody is God. David said in verse 4, Against you, you only I have sinned and done what is evil in your sight, so that you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge. The Bible says that if we confess our sins to God and ask him to forgive us, he will indeed forgive us. First John 1 John 1.9 says if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus died on the cross to pay the penalty of your sin. The sentence has been carried out. The price has been paid. The sacrifice has already taken place. Him for you. However, you must accept that payment on your behalf. John chapter 3, verse 16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Pray to God, admit your sin and guilt to him. Tell him you believe he died on the cross for you, that he was buried and rose again. And ask God to forgive you and help you in repenting from sin. Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. As always, if there's any way in which we can help, perhaps just asking us to pray for you, please let us know. You can reach out through our website, btgprogram.com. When we come back, we'll close out the show with our You Like That segment, along with Zach Barletta. I'm Rick Benson. This is the Beyond the Game program.
1: Hey, it's Zach. If you're a fan of Unsolved Mysteries, Mythical Monsters, Murder Whodunits, or just podcasts in general, check out my other show, the Myths and Mysteries Podcast. Every two weeks, my brother Spencer and I tell fascinating stories about topics like the Bermuda Triangle, JFK's assassination, chupacabras, serial killers, and more. You can find us by searching for Myths and Mysteries on iTunes or Google Play, or on our website, MythsAndMysteriesPod.com. Don't forget to click subscribe and leave us a review to let us know what you think. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Myths Podcast. So go check out the Myths and Mysteries Podcast, and we'll see you next time. Beyond the Game, talking sports from a different point of view. Highlighting the stories and the people of faith. It's not a faith program that includes sports. It's a sports talk show rooted in faith-based principles. Welcome back to the show. Recording in the BTG studios in Rochester, New York. Here's your host, Rick Benson.
0: Welcome back into the Beyond the Game program, btgprogram.com or at btgprogram. Galatians chapter 6, verse 9 says, Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we do not grow weary. At 87 years old, one could hardly blame Joe Gilbert if he were weary, and yet he keeps going. What I like this week is a story from ESPN about a basketball coach at a small school in northeast Oklahoma who... Entering this season has amassed 3,907 varsity coaching victories over 66 years in various sports. Talk about dedication. Gilbert took the job at Barnsdall High School in 1954 when Dwight D. Eisenhower was president. Over the many years, he has taught phys ed, health, and has served as the school's athletic director. He has coached baseball, softball, both boys' and girls' basketball, and football. Among his many wins are two state championships, baseball in 1980, slow pitch softball in 2013. Gilbert humbly says, I've swept more floors and mopped more floors than anybody that ever lived. What a humble guy. If you're interested, you can find the article on Joe Gilbert on ESPN's website. It's the dedication of coach Joe Gilbert and the impact he has had on countless families, which is what I like this week.
1: What I liked this week was actually, I'm just going to say it's the sport of hockey, because there were two different hockey stories this past week, and I was going back and forth between them, and I decided to just use both of them. So the first one I liked, I don't know if you've seen the video, Benson, but the Liberty University men's hockey team did this this cool Star Wars-themed celebration where one player stands on the ice... And he does like the Darth Vader force choke and everyone on the bench sort of grabs their throat and rises up off <laughs> the bench like he's force choking them. That's pretty cool. And as hockey and Star Wars nerds, you know, we really appreciate anytime you can mix those two stories together. The other one was uh, former Sabres goalie and current Anaheim Duck, Ryan Miller. There's a video going around of him at a game where uh, I think a little kid was holding a sign up against the glass that said, hey, Ducks, we'll trade thin mints for pucks. So he skates over, flips a puck over the glass. The kid tosses him a box of Thin Mints and he takes it back to the bench and makes sure it's going to be there for him when he gets back. So the Liberty University Star Wars celebration and Ryan Miller trading a puck for some Thin Mints on the ice. Those were the stories that that? I liked this week. Gotta love hockey.
0: That's the end of our show. Thanks so much for being with us. The Beyond the Game program is mainly a listener-supported radio ministry. Thanks to all of you who have given of your time and of your treasures to bring the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ to sports fans all around the world through Sports Talk Radio. We're asking that you would indeed keep us in your prayers and that if God lays it on your heart to make a financial contribution to this ministry, whether it be a one-time gift or a recurring amount, please visit our website, btgprogram.com. For Zach Barletta... I'm Rick Benson. Lord willing, we'll be back together again next week right here at this same time. Be bold and be great this week, everybody.